Greetings in the Master's name. Uh, Mother's Day 2020. Who was the first mother? Well, we know Eve. What was it like to be the first mother? Uh, there was no midwife. There was no mother-in-law to help and no mother of her own. Now, someone wrote a poem about this first birth, and I thought I'd read that. Stars twinkled down on the earth the night of his birth. Innocent, mild, he was their promised child. Fair as the break of morn, their message of hope. Newborn, the future asleep in their arms. In all they numbered his charms while he slumbered, peaceful and wrinkled. Oh, his father's eyes twinkled and his mother's heart sang and they named him Cain. Today, Mother's Day, we're thinking of and speaking to mothers. Now, this is not ignoring nor second-rating those who aren't mothers. Now, there's many examples in scripture of those who were not mothers. Mary, Martha, Dorcas, Philip's daughters. Paul named several women in Romans 16, most of whom would appear to be single. But that's not our subject this morning. Today we're speaking of mothers and motherhood. Thinking about the influence of mothers. In reading Kings and Chronicles, I notice how often it says, and his mother was. So this morning for a little while, I want to look at the mothers that were named in the southern kingdom after the reign of Solomon. I'd like to go through this slow enough that you can follow in your Bible. Uh, if you would like to follow along, you can turn to 1 Kings 14. We know that Solomon's mother was Bathsheba, but after that, then Solomon's uh, son Rehoboam. So 1 Kings 14.21 says, And Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, reigned in Judah. Rehoboam was 40 and one years old when he began to reign, and he reigned 17 years in Jerusalem, the city which the Lord did choose out of all the tribes of Israel to put his name there. And his mother's name was Naamah and Ammonitus. Now, you don't need to turn back there, but 1 Kings 11, verse 1 says, Solomon loved many strange women, together with or besides the daughter of Pharaoh, women of the Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. Uh, these were uh, peoples that God had said that they should not intermingle with, they should not intermarry with. But Solomon had many wives. and and one of them was this Ammonitis woman. And it says it twice here. It says it in 1421 and it says it in 1431. It says uh, his mother's name was Naamah and Ammonitis. And so um, the influence there. So he slept with his fathers, and he was buried in, in the city of David. And Abijam, his son, reigned in his stead. Now it says in um, 2 Chronicles 12, verse 1, 
that Rehoboam forsook the law of the Lord and all Israel with him. So that was the, well, that's not a very good epitaph. Rehoboam forsook the Lord of the Lord. But his mother, remember, was an Ammonitess. Now, uh, chapter 15, verse 1. In the 18th year of King Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, reigned Abijam over Judah. Three years reigned he in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Maacah, the daughter of Abishalom. Well, that's another spelling for Absalom. And it says in verse 3, he walked in all the sins of his father, which would be Rehoboam. But then in verse, uh, well, at the end of the verse, it says, um, his heart was not perfect with the Lord his God as the heart of David his father. Something I want to point out there, it says this was the heart of David his father. The scripture uses the terms father, daughter, uh, son, sometimes across generational lines. Uh, and notice uh, how that helps us figure out something here in a minute. But uh, David was actually his great-grandfather, not his father. Now, if we turn to, okay, what I want to notice here is it says in verse 2, his mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Absalom. Now, if we turn to, maybe I'll just read it here instead of you turning to it. In Second Chronicles 13, it says, in the 18th year of King Jeroboam began Abijah to reign over Judah. He reigned three years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel of Gibeah. So Chronicles says his mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Uriel. King and Kings, it says his mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Absalom. And so in this case, it was the granddaughter of Absalom. And we can figure that out by, if we go back to 2 Samuel 14, 27, and there again, you don't need to turn to it. 2 Samuel 14, 27 says, Unto Absalom there were born three sons and one daughter, whose name was Tamar. She was a woman of a fair countenance. Now, just try to put this together a little bit. In 2 Samuel 3, verses 2 to 5, it lists six sons of David born in Hebron to six different wives. And the third one was Absalom, the son of Maacah, the daughter of Talmai, king of Geshur. Now, Geshur was uh, a little region in the, uh, in the territory of the tr half-tribe of Manasseh. You remember that Reuben, Gad, and half-tribe of Manasseh, they settled east of the Jordan. And, and Manasseh was the farthest north. The half-tribe of Manasseh was the farthest north. And this uh, region of, this sort of a small region of, of uh, Geshur uh, was just east of the Jordan, a little bit northeast of the Sea of Galilee. Now, David, he controlled the territory from the Euphrates River to the border of Egypt. So he would have controlled this territory, but... Uh, Evidently, you know, the different little groups and kingdoms, they probably paid tribute to, to David. Well, so David married uh, a Gisharite princess. And 
Absalom was the son, and Tamer, Absalom's full sister, was also a daughter of this uh, Maica. Okay, so then we have Solomon, who married the Ammonitus. Okay, so the Ammonitus was Rehoboam's mother, and, and Rehoboam married Micaiah, who was the granddaughter of Absalom. I'm pointing all this out to show the influences. And, and just to think about that a little bit. In other words, David's wife, Maacah, was the daughter of the king of Geshur. Maybe he married her for sort of a political alliance. She became the mother of, mother of Absalom and Tamer. Well, then Absalom had a daughter. Of course, you know how that story was about Tamer and Ammon and so on. So Absalom, he named his daughter after his sister. And then Tamer's daughter, of course, Absalom was killed, but he had four children before he was killed. And so Tamer's daughter was Micaiah, who became Rehoboam's wife. So the uh, all of that, uh, well, okay, moving on then, Rehoboam's son was Abijah, and his mother was Micaiah, and then Abijah's son was Asa. And we read about Asa on down in 1 Kings 15. Uh, it says uh, in verse 8, uh, Abijah slept with his fathers. Asa, his son, reigned in his stead. And it says in verse 10, 41 years old, and his mother's name was Micaiah, the daughter of Absalom, actually the granddaughter. And then, so it doesn't actually give who Asa's mother was, just his grandmother. Maybe it doesn't mention his mother because his grandmother was a strong woman. Uh, and maybe she overshadowed his mother. I don't know. Or maybe she died. But uh, anyway, Asa had the backbone, we noticed in verse 13, to finally remove Maica from the position of queen mother because she was an idolater. So that again is some of the influence going on there. So, okay, Asa's son was Jehoshaphat. And uh, we read about that in 1524. Uh, Jehoshaphat and his son reigned in his stead. And um, his mother's name, well, we don't... Uh, we have to skip over to chapter 22 for that because the next chapters talk about uh, Jehoshaphat and his uh, dealings with the Northern Kingdom and how he uh, allied himself uh, with Ahab, which was a terrible mistake. Uh, so in, at the end of the first Kings, the end of first Kings, <clears throat> it says um, in verse 42, Jehoshaphat was 35 years old and began to reign. He reigned 25 years in Jerusalem, and his mother's name was Azuba. So that's what we know about him. He was considered a good king, but he married his son off to Ahab's daughter. I mean, that, that is just hard to fathom. Uh, what does that mean? Maybe it was because of a political alliance, but it makes me think we need to be careful. I mean, with our daughters and our sons, need to be careful about our motives, our desires, that we, 
we might hardly be aware of uh, our motives and who we want for companions for our children and so on. Uh, we need to be living clear and open and teachable lives before God so that no ulterior undesirable motives enter in. Well, just throwing that in here for what it's worth. Okay, Jehoshaphat's uh, son, Jehoram, and uh, that's 2 Kings uh, 8, 17 and 18. His mother's name is not given. Uh, his son, Ahaziah, is mentioned in 2 Kings 8, 26 to 27. So we're going over here in 2 Kings 8. Uh, 26. Okay, 22 years old was he when he began to reign. He reigned one year. His mother's name was Athaliah, the daughter of Omri. Actually, see, she was Ahab's daughter, so there again, it's a granddaughter. And so that was his, that was his grandmother. I mean, that was his mother and Jehoram's wife. And of course, the influence she had on him and uh, so he walked in the ways of the house that they have. Okay, moving on down then. Um, well, actually, what happened then when he died? Uh, well, G actually, Jehu uh, killed Ahaziah. Uh, and so when that happened, Athaliah, now again, this is Ahab's daughter. She killed all the heirs to the throne, whether it had been Ahaziah's brothers or his children or Anybody that was in line to the throne, she killed him, uh, except for Joash, who was rescued by Jehoshaphat. And that was Ahaziah's sister, and she was the wife of the high priest. Remember how she rescued him and had him, and then they brought him out to make him king when he was still like, what, six, seven, eight years old. Okay, his mother, Joash, Joash's mother, was Zabiah. That's in 2 Kings 12, verse 1. It says, um, Jehoash began to reign. Forty years reigned he in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Zabiah of Beersheba. So, uh, Joash. Moving on. Amaziah, that's uh, Joash's son. And his mother was Jehoadan. Jehoadan. Yes, 2 Kings 14.2. 2 Kings 14.2. 25 years old when he began to reign. He reigned 29 years in Jerusalem. His mother's name was Jehoadan of Jerusalem. Okay. Um, so uh, Amaziah's son was Uzziah. Uh, Azariah calls him here in Kings, I believe, Kings 15.2. It says, um, yes, verse 1, Amaz uh, king of Israel, Ahaziah's son of Amaziah. But then we know him as Uzziah, so there's different spellings for these kings sometimes. But his mother's name, it says in verse 2, was Jechaliah. Okay, moving on, Uzziah's son was uh, Jotham, and that's Second Kings fifteen thirty three. It says uh, his mother's name was Jerusha, the daughter of Zadok, and uh, and then we have Ahaz, and it doesn't give his mother's name. Ahaz's son was Hezekiah, and his mother was Abi or Abijah. A couple different spellings there. That's Second Kings eighteen verse two. Uh, he reigned twenty nine years. His mother's name was Abi, the daughter of Zechariah. Okay, Hezekiah's son was Manasseh, and his mother's name was Hephzibah. 21.1, it says uh, his mother's name was Hephzibah. I'm trying to move through this pretty fast. And then Manasseh's son was Am Ammon, 
and his mother was Meshulamus, and that's 2119. His mother's name was Meshulamus. But as I was reading through this uh, in Chronicles, it just impressed me, and his mother was, and his mother was. Well, okay, maybe it's because the position of queen mother was a very influential position, a very important position that it pointed this out. But it's still, point to me, it's speaking of the influence of mothers. Uh, now, of course, it talks about the, the fathers, too. They definitely had their influence, maybe more yet than the mothers, but the mother had an influence. Okay, Manasseh's son was Ammon, and okay, her her his mother was Meshulah, Josiah's mother. Okay, Ammon's son Josiah's mother was Jedada. That's twenty two one. Uh, his mother's name was Jedada, the daughter of Adiah. Now we're getting towards the end of the kingdom. Josiah's son Jehoahaz, his mother was Hamutal. That's 2331. 2331. Jehoahaz was 23 years old and he began to reign. He reigned three months. His mother's name was Hamutal, the daughter of Jeremiah of Libna. And then um, this is when um, the kingdom was kind of falling apart. Um, Jehoiakim's brother was who the Pharaoh put on the throne. And um, he was a brother to Jehoahaz. And his mother was Zebuda. And then Jehoiakim's son Jehoiachin reigned next. And his mother was Nehushta. And finally, Zedekiah, who uh, Nebuchadnezzar put on the throne, his mother was back Hamutal. Uh, back to one of Josiah's, he was one of Josiah's sons. So just running through that real quick. Now, I might just point out one other thing. Some of the names were interesting to me. Uh, you know, when we pick names for our children, uh, what do we think about? But uh, according to Bible Dictionary, this is uh, the meaning of some of the names. Uh, Zabiah, uh, gazelle or roe, like a deer. Uh, Jehoadan, the meaning is Jehovah, his ornament, or whom Jehovah adorns. Well, that's a pretty nice name whom Jehovah adorns, uh, Jechaliah, able through Jehovah, Jerusha, taken possession of or married, uh, Abby, the Lord is my father, Hephzibah, my delight is in her, Meshulamus, friend, Jedada, beloved, Hamutal, akin to the dew. Well, I guess as we get older, uh, we... Uh, get more interested in genealogy so uh for uh whatever that was of interest to you i want i now switch gears a little bit these mothers yeah wonder what all went through their minds and hearts you know there can be a good bit of sorrow and heartache and grief just like that poem we started out with uh, I think it's a very powerful poem in the way it goes through it and it ends up with his name was Cain. All their hopes. And I was thinking about this, uh, again, this Sasha Krause situation and this fellow that was arrested, Mark Gooch, and his family, at least some of his family, I understand, uh, belonged to a Mennonite church in Wisconsin. And he was evidently raised in that setting. 
although I don't know that he ever joined the church. Someone wrote this poem uh, thinking of, of his mother, and I want to read that. A mother's heart is breaking with a pain that's worse than death. A mother's heart is crushed with shame that stifles every breath. For her boy, who once was pure and small and innocent like mine, full of boyish charms and lad-like dreams, so tender and so fine. And though time has changed him from a boy to bitter man, yet her mother heart remembers him as only mothers can. Dear God, be merciful to her tonight. Enfold her in a hug. This mother heart, whose every nerve has borne a wrenching tug. And may we, as her sisters, guard with jealous care the name that to her is still so precious, though besmirched with blackest shame. May we lift her up in prayer, and may our words be kind and few as we tuck to bed our small boys, who will someday be men too. Another example from history, I have always been uh, intrigued with the testimony of Anna of Rotterdam. I think it's along about page 454 in Martyr's Mirror. Uh, and just within the last year, I learned more about her. Uh, Anna of Rotterdam, she is called, she wasn't born in Rotterdam. Often they were labeled with the city where they were martyred. She was born uh, to a well-to-do family. And uh, after she was married, sometime early in their marriage, it would appear she was about 23 or 24, she and her husband were baptized uh, by an Anabaptist who was pro-Munsterite. Uh, that was some of what was going on at that time. And... Uh, then it was not too long after that that you had the Munsterite situation, rebellion there that was crushed. They, She and her husband did not go to Munster, but uh, they had been influenced. Well, there was a real crackdown then after that, and so her husband fled to England. And uh, sometime later, she joined him there. And he evidently died there. I'm not sure that a whole lot is known about him. So still as a young lady, she was about 30. She travels back to Holland, North Germany. And in part of the travels, traveling back then wasn't like it is now. She was riding in a wagon, a cart-like with other people. And she and another Anabaptist lady were singing a song that somebody recognized as an Anabaptist song. And he turned them in. So she was arrested. She had this uh, about a 15-month-old boy, Isaiah. And they let her keep him in her cell the night before she was to be drowned. Maybe longer than that. But anyway, and she wrote a will for him. In fact, in fact, I think, uh, let me see here. I want to read some from that. You talk about a will now. This was to be given to him when he was old enough, older to understand. This is part of what she wrote. You can read it all in the martyr's mirror. My son, 
hear the instruction of your mother. Open your ears to hear the words of my mouth. Behold, I go today the way of the prophets, apostles, and martyrs, and drink of the cup of which they all have drunk. I go, I say, the way which Christ Jesus, the eternal word of the Father, full of grace and truth, the shepherd of the sheep, who is the life himself went, and who went this way and not another, and who had to drink of this cup, even as he said, I have a cup to drink of and a baptism to be baptized with. Having passed through, he calls his sheep, and his sheep hear his voice, and follow him wherever he goes, for this is the way of the true fountain. This way was traveled by the royal priest who came from the rising of the sun, who entered into the ages of eternity, and who had to drink of this cup. My son, if you desire to enter into the regions of the holy world and into the inheritance of the saints, follow after them. Search the scriptures, and it shall show you their ways. The angel who spoke to the prophet said, A holy city has been built and set upon a broad field and is full of all good things. The entrance thereof is narrow and set in a dangerous place to fall, like as if there were a fire on the right hand and on the left deep water, and only one path between them both, even between the fire and the water. See, my son, this way has no retreats. There are no roundabout or crooked little paths. Whosoever departs to the right or to the left inherits death. Therefore, my child, do not regard the great number nor walk in their ways. But where you hear of a poor, simple, cast-off little flock, which is despised and rejected by the world, join them. For where you hear of the cross, there is Christ. Flee the shadow of this world. Become united with God. O son, let your life be conformed to the gospel, and the God of peace sanctify your soul and body to his praise. Amen. And I might send you something by email. Some of you may be familiar with the engraving that's uh, in the 1685 Martyr's Mirror where she's being led uh, to her uh, death. But the picture shows her holding out her son with a bag of money, uh, imploring someone in the crowd to take him. And she had uh, considerable uh, means. And so she's giving that along with her son to whoever will take him. And a baker steps out of the crowd and takes her son. Well, and so then she is drowned. Now, history tells us then that this baker, maybe partly on account of the wealth he gained from taking the child, but anyway, his business prospered and he built uh, two breweries. Well, her son, Isaiah, okay, he had, I guess he had this, I guess the baker gave it to him at some point in his life, but of course he was raised under that family's influence. And uh, he became the mayor of Rotterdam, the city that had put his mother to death. So I'm saying life can have heartaches. Of course, she didn't live to see it. And uh, so, you know, is how do we look at mothering? Is it scary? The Bible says children are an heritage of the Lord and the fruit of the womb is his reward. And thinking on Mother's Day, Thinking about the influence of mothers, the Bible lays out the importance of mothers, the importance of motherhood. And this is a little bit of a a more humorous uh, side of it. But uh, this happened, I think it was in a in a book of uh, stories, anecdotes. But this person writing, he was a 
a professor at a small college, I think. Uh, and he says, I was once at a very sophisticated academic gathering at the University of Pennsylvania. I didn't want to be there, and I felt uncomfortable with the kinds of conversation that were going on. A woman colleague who taught sociology struck up a conversation with my wife and me. At one point, she turned to my wife and asked in a condescending fashion, and what is it that you do, my dear? My wife, who is one of the most articulate people I know, replied, I am socializing two homo sapiens into the dominant values of the Judeo-Christian tradition in order that they might be the instruments for the transformation of the social order into the kind of eschatological utopia that God willed from the beginning of creation. Then my wife asked politely and sweetly, and what is it that you do? The woman answered humbly, I, I teach sociology. Raising children is a high and holy task. But thinking about the challenge and the uncertainties, I may have shared this um, at another time, but uh, when we were taking care of my parents and uh, when daddy was coming towards the end and we had a hospice and uh, one of the nurses that walked into the house, one of the first hospice nurses, I think it was, uh, she said to me, uh, do you, I think she said something like, uh, do you know who I am? And I recognized her right away. Um, well, you wouldn't know her, so I'll just tell you her name. Uh, I was Julie Patterson. She had been in my high school class. She was big in drama. And so she was a very efficient nurse. She left. I walked out after her, and I asked her where she was spiritually. And she said something about she had strayed far but she found her way back to the ranch, something like that, she had put it. And I, I don't know if it was then or on another occasion, we were, we were talking. She came to the house several times, and I don't know if she ever married or what her situation was, but she talked about her, her um, nieces or nephews, not sure which. She said she's fearful for them growing up, the kind of world they're going to face. And I told her, I said, uh, you don't know what God has in mind for those children. And she said, I needed that. And that reminds me of something uh, along that line that was in a Just For You uh, many years ago. Actually, it was December 1976. And it read like this. Well, I'll change the years a little bit. Uh, 200 years ago. Men glued their attention to the march of Napoleon. It was actually 1809 it's talking about. They waited impatiently for the latest news of his conquest. All the time, babies were being born. Babies whose lives would shake society far more than any battle of Napoleon. But men's minds were on battles, not babies. Yet in a single year during Napoleon's wars, a host of influential persons stole into the world. William Gladstone, Alfred Tennyson, Oliver Wendell Holmes, Charles Darwin, Abraham Lincoln, Felix Mendelssohn. 
These men left heavy marks on the world for both the good and the bad, but they made their entrance as babies. And when God wanted to turn the world up right side up, he sent a babe to Bethlehem. Don't let anything detract your attention from that bundle of potential in your arms. Perhaps you need vision for your child. Consider the bold ideal of Isaiah. This is Isaiah 8.18. Behold, the children whom the Lord has given me are for signs and for wonders in Israel. Does that sound too high? Isaiah saw it come true. You can too. But your mind must be on your child now while he is a baby. I've been thinking lately the way things are going. And maybe as a person gets older, they tend to think more this way. But the children that are growing up now, we need to be raising this generation to be the martyrs of tomorrow. And that you might think that's a morbid thought, but it's not. Second Timothy 2.12 says, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. It's been the history of God's people down through the ages. And it's glorified God and it's built the church. Well, whatever the future holds, we want to train them to be servants of the Lord. First Timothy 5.14. I will therefore that the younger women marry, bear children, guide the house, give none occasion to the adversary to speak reproachfully. That's a pretty far cry from what's promoted these days for women. Uh, I would say that in the in the context there, First Timothy five, that's speaking to young widows. Titus two four says that they may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. And finally, I trust that we can have the attitude, the testimony that Jacob had when Esau asked him about his children, uh, it says Esau lifted up his eyes and saw the women and children and said, who are these, who are those with thee? And this was Jacob's reply, the children which God has graciously given thy servant. We'll turn it back over to Philip. <laughs> 